It's Friday, November 22nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Israel's had a big week, a boost from the Trump administration, new indictments, and possible elections. We'll break it down and explain how the headlines connect. Then, while you were following the impeachment hearings this week, some legislators were thinking about marijuana. Well, about a bill that would legalize it. And finally, our soundtrack for the weekend is ready. Is yours? We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about Israeli politics. Israel's been all over the headlines lately, thanks to a U.S. announcement on Israeli settlements, continued election drama, and now criminal indictments against Israel's prime minister. So today we're going to get into all the headlines that hit this week concerning Israel and what they mean big picture, starting with the news on Monday. That's when the Trump administration said it was breaking tradition and would stop viewing Israeli settlements in the West Bank as illegal. It's a bit complicated, but basically, under international law, Israel is considered an occupying power after it captured land in the West Bank from Jordan in 1967. International law has rules about captured territory and says one thing occupiers can't do is make it more difficult for the territory to be returned. And the Palestinians who live there want it to be part of their future state. But the more the territory starts to look like Israel, the less likely that seems. At the UN, around 150 countries have voted to say Israel's settlements are illegal. And for a long time, the US kinda agreed. In 1978, the State Department put out a legal memo saying that the Israeli settlements didn't look temporary. And that while Israel was free to do some things in occupied West Bank, building permanent settlements wasn't one of them. After he took office, President Ronald Reagan didn't agree with that legal ruling. But he didn't change it either, so things kind of stayed the same until this week. Here was Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announcing the formal shift in policy. After carefully studying all sides of the legal debate, this administration agrees with President Reagan. The establishment of Israeli civilian settlements in the West Bank is not, per se, inconsistent with international law. Basically, Pompeo is saying that calling the settlements illegal this whole time hadn't brought peace. And so this was the U.S. recognizing the reality on the ground as a step that could bring the region closer to peace. Since the U.S. had traditionally played a key role in pushing for Mideast peace, people are taking this announcement seriously. But not everyone's on board. 14 of the 15 members of the U.N. Security Council, including U.S. allies like the U.K., France, and Poland, say that they think those Israeli settlements are still illegal and that America's actions are complicating the peace process. Another big headline this week had to do with Israeli elections. If you think the U.S. has had it bad, it's been a crazy year for politics in Israel, too. Remember, Israeli voters went to the polls in April to pick a new prime minister. But sitting PM Benjamin Netanyahu didn't win enough support to form a ruling majority in parliament. So, to break the deadlock, voters headed back to the polls again in September. But then, Netanyahu failed again to assemble the majority needed in parliament. So, his opponent Benny Gantz got a shot, but he couldn't do it either. Now, everybody in parliament gets a shot to see if any one of them can rally a parliamentary majority and become prime minister. Though a lot of analysts think that won't work, which means Israel may need a third round of elections next year. If that happens, Netanyahu will probably talk up the new Trump administration announcement on settlements 
as evidence that his ties with the U.S. are coming through for Israel. But the final big headline this week could complicate Netanyahu's election message. That's because yesterday, Israel's attorney general announced that he was indicting Netanyahu on criminal charges. These indictments have names, which happen to also be big round numbers. No idea why. But the first charge is called Case 1000. It's about fraud and breach of trust. Prosecutors allege Netanyahu and his wife received around 700,000 shekels, or 200,000 US dollars, in gifts from two wealthy businessmen. You know, high roller gifts like champagne and cigars. And in exchange, Netanyahu allegedly helped the guys out with political, legal, and business favors. The next indictment, also for fraud and breach of trust, is called Case 2000. It's about Netanyahu allegedly conspiring with a newspaper owner to get positive coverage, and in return, help the paper fight off competitors. Netanyahu wasn't a suspect in Case 3000, but Case 4000 is the big one. Like the others, it's about fraud and breach of trust, but also bribery. And it involves, wait for it, a quid pro quo. We know we can't get away from it, even in Israel. Netanyahu is alleged to have made a deal with a different media boss to get positive news coverage in exchange for loosening regulations and putting millions back into the media boss's pocket. Netanyahu and his associates also apparently had a hand in deciding who worked at the paper. Micromanager much? These indictments had been expected for months. Voters knew they might happen every time they went to the polls this year. But now, the indictments have finally dropped, and they're coming at a bad time for Netanyahu, who needs all the support he can get. Netanyahu isn't taking this lying down. In a speech yesterday, he channeled President Trump by calling the charges against him a coup and saying the investigators needed to be investigated. To be clear, there's no law saying Netanyahu's indictments mean he can't be prime minister, unless he gets convicted, and that could take years if it happens at all. For now, his focus is on winning this political battle. But others say even if some Netanyahu supporters are standing by him, these criminal charges could lead up-and-coming members of his own party to challenge him for a leadership role. Reportedly, some members are already saying they'll take him on. So what's the skim? It's been a crazy political week in Israel. It started when the U.S. basically gave Netanyahu a political gift by announcing the U.S. no longer thinks Israeli settlements in the West Bank are illegal. But the big news is that Israel could be heading into a third round of elections. If that happens, you might hear Netanyahu bragging about his close ties to the U.S., which could help him politically in Israel. What probably won't help him? These new charges of corruption, which even for a master campaigner could be difficult to ignore for long. We've been focusing a lot this week on the public impeachment hearings in the House Intelligence Committee. We don't know if they're done yet, but once they're finished with their part of the inquiry, they'll pass the baton to the House Judiciary Committee, which, ahead of impeachment hearings, has been clearing its plate. This week, its members approved a bill, with some Republican support, that would legalize marijuana on the federal level. It's the first time members of Congress have ever voted to take cannabis off the list of federally controlled substances and it would mean states get to decide on their own on how to regulate marijuana. The bill is now headed to the full Democrat-controlled House for a vote, where it has a good chance of passing. It's less likely to pass in the Senate, though. 
Just so you know, 11 states and D.C. have already legalized recreational marijuana. 33 states and D.C. have legalized medical marijuana. And a new Pew poll says two-thirds of Americans support legalizing it. So these days, the argument over legalization is less about whether we should and more about what legalizing actually looks like. But at the Democratic presidential debate on Wednesday night, it was clear. Not everyone's quite there yet. During the debate, which was hosted by MSNBC and The Washington Post, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker called out former VP Joe Biden. This week I hear him literally say that I don't think we should legalize marijuana. I, 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 I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> and, and... Booker went on to add some context as to why Biden's comments were confusing. Marijuana in our country is already legal for privileged people. And it's one, the war on drugs has been a war on black and brown people. Last year, more than 660,000 people were arrested for a marijuana law violation. And according to the ACLU, black people are almost four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana than white people are. But the bill moving through the House would let people who've been arrested or convicted on marijuana charges expunge their records, something Biden says he's in favor of. He said his concern was more about health. I do think it makes sense, based on data, that we should study what the long-term effects are on for the use of marijuana. That's all it is. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that 1 in 10 marijuana users, on average, become addicted, and that smoking marijuana has been connected to lung and heart problems. So yes, the federal government is still being cautious. But if this bill does somehow pass the Senate, it could help a lot more people than just those in jail on marijuana offenses. It could also allow government-run veterans' hospitals to start prescribing marijuana for chronic pain. And it would give legal marijuana businesses access to banking and financial services. Basically, the federal government giving its stamp of approval on marijuana would have a really big effect even in places where it's already legal. To learn more about marijuana legalization, head on over to theskim.com guides. We're approaching the end of the year, which means tis the season for the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. It's aired almost every year since 1995. But yesterday, executives at the parent company of Victoria's Secret reportedly said they're rethinking their approach. And that means this year's fashion show has been canceled. At one point, the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show was like the Super Bowl, but for supermodels. Back in 2001, over 12 million people watched them strut down the runway. But over the years, ratings have plummeted. Last year, only 3.3 million people tuned in. It was the worst ratings in the show's broadcast history. And when it comes to revenue, it was also announced yesterday that sales are down and have been down for the past six consecutive quarters. So what went wrong? Well, nowadays, there are a lot of smaller competing online lingerie brands like Lively or Third Love. And shopping malls are kind of passe. But some are also pointing to the Me Too movement and changing attitudes about the store's sexualized branding. The companies also come under fire for not featuring plus-size models in the show, and for comments made by an executive who said the show also shouldn't cast transgender models. He's since apologized and left the company. Despite these recent struggles, Victoria's Secret is still the largest lingerie retailer in the US, even without the gigantic angel wings. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the faraway kingdom of Arendelle. Let it go. 
Frozen 2 is out in theaters today. And while lots of people are looking forward to seeing Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, and Sven, the big question is, which song from the soundtrack will be the next Let It Go? Which in 2014 won the Grammy for Best Song Written for Visual Media. Well, get ready for the new Winter Power Anthem from the Frozen franchise. It's called Into the Unknown, and is once again performed by Edina Menzel, who is the voice of Queen Elsa. In an interview with USA Today, Menzel said the song is about Elsa, quote, facing a fear but having the confidence in herself. And the song is already picking up traction, with covers out by Panic at the Disco and a bunch of YouTubers. So still TBD if the song ends up reaching a let-it-go level of fame. But heads up that it may become the next song you just can't let go. Or get away from. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks so much for listening this week, and don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us online. A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. <laughs>